and Brother Ray, we want you to come and just give us what the dear Lord has given to you for us. Well, good morning, folks. It sure is good to be here in these days. I believe the Lord has ordered this meeting at this particular time. I was over at, uh, they change their names often, Peachtree. I'm trying to keep up with them. All right, I was over there in the meeting, and, you know, really, when I was coming down the road, I was thinking about Brother Tom and his wife and you people in the church. And I was so glad I was going to get to see him. And really, to be honest with you, I really felt like that he was going to ask me to come for a meeting. I really did. And so I met him, and he talked to me a little, and he said, before you came, he said, I, uh, I was praying and thinking about it, and I believe God wants you to come and preach a meeting for me. And he wanted me to come this month, and I couldn't work it out. I didn't think, but I went home, and I prayed about it, and I called a preacher friend of mine, and I asked him, uh, would he uh, be willing to change the meeting that I had with him where I could come here? And he readily said, why, you know I would. And so I'm glad that I'm here. I believe God sorted the meeting. And if we've ever needed a real revival, we need it now. We've never needed revival anymore in my years. of, And I go away back there. Uh, then we need revival right now. Uh, I... Some time ago, there were some things came along. I'm usually busy just about every Sunday or every other Sunday or every other week. I try to take off a little time to prepare for the next meeting. But for a reason, and I won't go into all the details, but beginning the 1st of May, God set me aside. God led me to just uh, go through the month of May and half of the month of uh, June, and I didn't go anywhere until I come to Peachtree for that meeting. Now, this is not what I'm going to preach this morning, but I want you to turn your Bible uh, to the book of Psalms and 139. And I began to seek God. While you're turning, I want to say this. I know that my voice is rough. And if that's all you hear, you'll be no better. But if you hear the voice of God today, and he speaks to you, and you take it seriously, then you'll be better. You'll have what you need. The Lord put this in my heart, verse 23 and verse 24. And I, I cried to God about it. I said, search me, O God. And I wish we'd all pray that. There's room to move forward. And, he's, and, the, and the psalmist said, and know my heart. And you know, we don't know our hearts as we ought to, and we better not follow our hearts. We better follow the Lord. The heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Try me. And I said, oh, Lord, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I believe that's a good place to start to have revival. Really. 
if we really mean business. Uh, I'm going to take some time to kindly introduce where we're going this morning. I, uh, when I left home, I always lose, leave something, and so I left my watch. So if nobody starts raising their hands like this, I'll know I'm not completely run out of something to preach that's worthwhile. Okay? I want to give you something on revival. Um, Dr. James Sturt said, Revival exalts Jesus Christ. He is one of the greatest revivalists I ever met, I think. Revival invades the kingdom of darkness. All that sounds good, don't it? Revival promotes the scriptures. Revival honors sound doctrine. Revival reaches out to God and mankind. Now, all that's in my newsletter. I don't know if I've got enough for everybody or not. I want to say something else about revival. Uh, we have meetings. We have all kinds of meetings across America and how for many years. And we put the title on them, most of them, Revival. But most of the time, we don't even know what revival is, I'm afraid. I think you do, for the most part. You've been praying. Pastor's been praying. And I believe God really is ready to do something for you. Before I go any farther, I want to tell you, God's not out of business. We've been praying for revival in our place for a good while. I went out three weeks ago, I guess, uh, Monday uh, through Wednesday. I preached at a church in Maranatha down uh, close to Chatsworth, Georgia. And I preached uh, and kind of went back on revival and evangelism. I mean, lost people. I preached on... Uh, Friday night, especially on the new birth. And you know, you got to be born again. And I felt like the pastor's wife really was lost. I felt like God was showing me that. I had another brother with me, and he felt the same, and we prayed for her. Well, the pastor called me this past Monday morning, and he said, "Uh, Brother Bearden, I wanted to call you and tell you my wife got saved yesterday. He said, I don't know why God let me do it, but I preached on hell and she got saved. And said she'd been wrestling with it for a year. We went to our church last Sunday and God got an arrangement. I don't know just how you say it, but I'd got back. I'd been up into uh, Pennsylvania, almost out of the world, you know. Um, so uh, anyway, I'd been up there for a meeting. We had a good meeting and I came back and Brother Plymouth wasn't feeling so good. And I was really stirred up in my soul. And he got to talking about praising the Lord. I'm trying to give some hope. I want you to have hope. There is hope. May not be any hope in me, but there's hope in the Lord. And so I, I, I stood up and I started talking to the people. And I said, you know, I just want to praise the Lord. And God moved on me. And I, I don't know except that just God moved on me. You ever had that to happen? If you've ever had it to happen, you want it to happen again. And I got to preaching. And I don't know how long I preached, but when I got through preaching, the preacher said, let's sing an invitation hymn. One young lady came here, and she bowed, and she was 20 years of age. And her mother, after she prayed a while, her mother pointed me to go over and speak to her. And I went over and spoke to her, and she said, I said, why'd you come, Mary? She 
She said, I come to get saved. And I said, well, have you asked God to save you? And she said, yes. I said, well, let's just pray again. You make sure that you really got born of the Spirit of God. And when we got through, she, the tears was running, and she was rejoicing in the Lord. We've been praying for another girl in the church, uh, and she came forward on this side, and she had made a profession, and God saved her. Now, that's happened in the last uh, three weeks, that God has saved those. But, you know, we've got so many folks. And we wonder what's wrong, that they've just quit church. A lot of them are backslid, if you want to call it that. They're out of fellowship with God. They don't know the Lord. I don't know how many there is like that, but I do know this. If they know the Lord, the prodigal son always comes home. But there's so many people lost, and they're in your family, and they're in my family. And we don't understand why they don't produce fruit. You cannot produce fruit unless that you've been born of the Spirit of God. And I was preaching in Oakdale, Tennessee, probably six months ago, and I preached that morning. And there was a woman came to the altar, and I was was preaching to the lost, and I was preaching to people about, what about your family? They're lost. I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost. I know God's, you know, I know, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I've been trying to seek God's face. I was preaching on the white throne judgment. You ever thought about that? I mean, that's going to be real. I mean, that's a real matter. Now, we're already have been to the judgment seat of Christ, and we've already been through the millennial kingdom. For a thousand years, and then we go to that white throne judgment. I hope this will sober you. It sure is sobering me. And when we stand there, and your children, or my children, your grandchildren, or my grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, or my great-grandchildren, if we don't pay the price, in brokenness, a broken heart, and a contrite spirit, God said, I will not despise. Now, to be brokenhearted is to be weeping inside, and literally, you'll come to the place that tears will come. We've lost our tears. Uh, I'm talking about for the better people. You are a very important people. Because you are the remnant. And God has got remnants across this country, just like he's in this church. And a lot of those churches are good people. I believe you're good people. I don't believe you're perfect people. And you're not listening to a perfect preacher. But we got a perfect God. And by the way, he's got all power in heaven, and he's got all power on earth. Uh... We're not short on power because of the one that's behind us, but most of us are short on power because we fail to seek him like he ought, like we ought. I tell you, it's going to be something. 
When I get there, you get there. Even when we're singing the most songs this morning, I was praying for my grandchildren. I pray as I sing. I was praying for all my children. Lord, make sure they know you. I mean, we ought to pray for them. Call them by name. Lord, I don't want them just to know you, but I want them to serve you with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their soul. I've not got much order, but i got some orders. If we can get broke, you know what a contrite spirit is? It's a, it's a crushed spirit. God sometimes just has to crush us. And I've, ran, I've run references on that. And actually, it means to be crushed to powder. You ever felt like that I have such a load that I'm just crushed to powder? God, if you don't help me, and God, if you don't help that daughter, God, if you don't help that son, God, if you don't help that granddaughter or that grandson, I don't believe I can hardly live. Is that pushing it too far? How far is too far? I don't know how far is too far, but I don't think we've gone far enough. God seems to be blowing some in our church tonight, Calvary, where I pastored those years, 33 of them. And uh, you know why it's blowing? Because some of us has taken real serious matters into our mind, our heart, and our spirit, and we are putting extra time in prayer. Now, I commend you. If you get up every morning and you read your Bible. I'm, this is elementary, but I've got to just start where we've got to start. You read your Bible, you all do that. In fact, you're not doing that, you come and short. Well, I don't have time. You're too busy. If you're too busy to read the Bible, you're too busy. Come on now. Isn't that right? Well, I, I tell you, i got to go to work. We'll get up 30 minutes earlier at least. Well, I don't know where I'll have strength or not. You read that book, he'll give you strength inward, and that'll help you to outwardly. Now, don't quit on me. Okay, let's go with it. And, and you, you pray. That's good. That's always good. That's always in order. But, folks, I'm going to tell you, we're up against things and people's hearts is so hard, and their minds is so filled with filth, and a lot of things that's not even bad, but they don't have their mind on Christ. They don't have their mind on eternity. You know what really revival is? To fall in love with Jesus more than anything in the world. What about those excerpts that our brother read just a few moments ago? Revival is when you've got eternity in your mind. And eternity means more than anything in this world except that that God leads you to do. Is that right? Are you, you know, I know a family and I preach to them. And they are good people. But now they got where they can't come to church. And they're not in my church, but I know them. You know what they do? And they... I mean, they've stood for what's right. The pastor told me, he said, they watch Fox News all day long. They can't come to church. Now, I'm telling you, you might get about 15, 20 minutes of that, but that's about all you can stand. 
If you fill your mind with that, your mind is filled with the wrong thing. We're going to have to find our way back to God. You know what the Bible said, don't you? Moses knew the ways of God. That's what I need to know. It's what your pastor needs to know. That's what you need to know. Moses knew the ways of God. Israel knew the acts of God and the works of God. We don't just need to know the works of God and the acts of God. We need to know the ways of God. You know the ways of God? You know how you're going to find it out? In this book. Now, I started something and didn't finish it. I'm bad at that. But revival is not evangelism. You know that? Revival is a matter between born-again people and God. That's between you and God. That's between me and God. That's what revival is. It's not evangelism. Now, stay with me all the way through this. We're going to throw evangelism out the window? No. We need revival. So we can evangelize. Until you have revival, you really can't evangelize. Revival is not just a meeting. Dr. James Stewart said that his mentor... When he was coming along, said if a man invites you for revival and he's not at least willing to go a month, said you may not go a month, but if he's not willing to go a month and they're not willing to go a month, he said he's not serious. Well, preacher, that's just too much. I don't know they had thousands of souls saved. You remember the old days? Had weeping mothers, weeping grandmothers. Revival is an awakening. That's what we need in our churches. Am I, am I drilling this too much, Pastor? Revival is an awakening. And that's what we need right here in this church. We need an awakening that I cannot get by with just a short few verses of a morning and just a short prayer meeting. I've got to put myself in prayer. Real prayer. Now, the devil will tell you elderly folks, and so I'm almost one of them, will tell you that you are useless anymore. You can't do anything. You sit at home, and maybe you don't have much strength. But I believe that people like that, if they will really pray, they can be the difference in the church. God don't just keep us around just to keep us around. God keeps us around to do business for the Lord, and you can maybe do more than anybody in the church, even though you've got age on yourself. Oh, my. Revival is from who? God. You can't revive yourself. I can't revive myself. A church cannot revive itself. But... I believe the pastor said this morning, and this is where it is. We used to preach, and we used to not only preach it, but we used to practice it. You know what we practice? All on the altar. All on the altar. Well, what does that mean? That means total commitment. You remember Dr. Ray Brown, don't you? 
Brother Brown, he was really good on the fullness of the Holy Ghost. That's where I was going to read my passage this morning. I got there yet. Brother, Brother Brown was one of the best. From Egypt to Canaan and uh, the fullness of the Holy Ghost. You can't have true revival in your soul like you ought to have until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Brown would use this illustration, and it kindly sounds comical, but I don't want it to be comical, but it's got a great truth in it, and anybody can get it if they want it. He said the old farmer went down to the barn this particular evening to feed his hogs and feed his chickens and his cows and all of that, and said he turned around after he got all that did, and he started back to the house. And said, the chicken said to the pig, to the hog, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the farmer could have ham and eggs in the morning for breakfast? Pig, the hog, said to the chicken, here's the punch now, get it. Mr. Chicken, all you've got to do is make a contribution. But what I've got to do is total commitment. Now, how many of us are totally committed? I remember back in the days, and we can't live in the past, but we could all live in the present. You remember them days? You'd have them revivals and folks would come and they'd get in them altars and they'd surrender everything. We don't mind in most churches, even the best of people sometimes, I'm afraid, to make a contribution to God and to God's work and reaching souls and prayer and all those things, but we are not about to make a total commitment. God has overly blessed this country with everything in the world. I travel across this country. I'm amazed at the good roads we have. I grew up when all you had was a dirt road and ruts to run in. That's a good point right there. Most of our churches in a rut. You know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends knocked out. That's right. And that's about where we are in our churches, isn't it? You know what I believe? You know what I see? I see this group of people. I don't know where you need to hide with God and how long you need to hide with God. But in these days of meeting... We don't need to come with our cars back in ready to go home. And we don't need in our prayer times to just set a short time. But we need to pray and we need to believe God. Now let me say this about prayer. I found this to be so. We need to have faith. Not in ourselves, but faith in God. If you pray and I pray... And I think we all have probably done this at some time. And I believe we even sometimes pray for revival. But we don't believe it's really going to happen. You know what you're doing? You're wearing your body out. You're wearing yourself out. If you don't believe God. Is anything too hard for God? Well, we can't have revival in this time. The great revivals that's come to this country in days past. It's been in one of the most critical times. we got alcohol going everywhere. It's about destroying this country. We are going to have to press in. Like the woman in John, in Mark 5 did. She was desperate. 
We are not, we've not gotten desperate enough, I'm afraid. I don't know that I'm still desperate enough as I need to be. But, oh, Lord, you know what I'm praying? I'm praying God will not put me in some of these places where there's dead preachers that don't believe you can have revival. You know, you know if they don't believe it, you're not going to have revival. You pray for anything. You pray for soul. God help my unbelief. You ever have to pray that? Sure you do. I do too. I hope these instructions, I believe they're from God. I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And I looked at everything. And I thought I'm going to begin in Ephesians 5. And I'm going to start there. And I don't know where I'm going to go. But when I got up here, I wanted... God told me, even this morning before I got here, He put those two verses in my heart. And when I got here, they began to burn before I got up. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Try me, O God. And see if there's any wicked way in me. Do I have anybody I need to straighten things out with? Do I need to straighten anything out with a preacher? Do I need to straighten anything out with my wife? Do I need to straighten anything out with my husband? Do I need to straighten anything out with my children? Do I need to straighten anything out with my neighbor? Lord, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Any wicked way in us? You know, one thing is wicked when we get dry-eyed, cold, lukewarm, and don't cry to God. Oh, I keep looking at that white throne. I look at my four boys. And I believe they know the Lord. But I had one. And my wife and I, you know, he made a profession. Dr. Stewart preached for me at Calvary. And my third boy, we went home. And we was in bed. And my third boy came and knocked on our door. That was Stacy. And I went to the door and I said, son, what what you need? He said, I need to get saved. He was nine. Well, what's the right time whenever God's calling you? Don't have much to do with age. Somebody said, how young? I don't know. How old? I don't know. I just know that he calls you to salvation. Amen. So we bowed at the couch. We got up. All of us got up and we... Talked a little bit on the scriptures, but there was not much use. When I preached an hour, and then somebody come to the altar, and somebody come down there and sticks a Bible on their nose and start reading to them, I thought, well, did I not say nothing? Has God not said anything? That's all right to read the Bible. But let them pray and let them get it settled between them and God, because God's the only one who can save them anyway. Stacy got saved, and I looked over at Steve, and Steve, he's older than Stacy, and he not got saved but you know, if your children respect you, grandchildren respect you, you can lead them in anything. And I said, Steve, don't you think it's about time, son, that you got saved? And he said, yes, sir. We had prayer and he made a profession. But my wife and I talked, and he was as faithful. He never gave me one minute's problem. He was as faithful as anybody could be. And when he was 22, he became a highway patrolman for our state of Tennessee. And uh, he grew there and and was a sergeant and all those things. And he got married and he moved down to this particular church and and, uh, the preacher was preaching every Sunday morning. Steve told me this. 
Sue and I'd talk about it, and and uh, we'd say she'd say, "I'm just concerned about Steve." I said, "I am too." We'll just keep praying. And so one Sunday afternoon, he called me, and he said, "I just wanted to call you and tell you I got saved this morning." He said that preacher was preaching. I'm talking about God talking now. I don't think we're wasting time, are we? I'm talking about God talking. We need to pray that God will sit down on them. God, the Holy Ghost, will deal with them. And he said, he preached every Sunday morning on lost church members. He said, I'm sitting back there. And I thought, who in the world is he preaching to? I wish he had preached something else. He said, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> said, so the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he's, pre- he's a preaching to you. Does it get that plain? If it's not that plain, you might not have got it. And so he went on. And he said, even time, every time I stop a car, I, I thought, oh, if that man shoots me and kills me, I'm going to hell. When God sits down on their soul, it may be a while, but he's bringing them. Don't ever give up on the Lord. Folks, don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on this country. People like this church is the hope of America through God. That's the only hope we've got. I don't believe there is any hope for this land. And if, if we don't see a change in this country in government, You know that. We all know that. And leadership, this country is going to put us in a bad place. We need revival for our families. But we need revival for ourselves because we are facing some days like even you and I have never faced. Let me get back to my story. I get stirred and I... Started one way, and I guess it's because you all are getting older, and I forget how I didn't tell all that. And so Steve said, I got saved this morning. I said, well, Steve, praise God. I said, your mom and I are not surprised because we felt like when he said I'd go up to that car. So anyway, he said, I was sitting back there. And he said, Spirit of God spoke to me again. said, everybody thinks you're saved. That I, you just asked me to save you. Do you think you can reason with God like this? You better believe you can. I remember the night I got saved. He said, you, everybody thinks you're saved. Just ask me. Uh, you know, he said, everybody thinks I'm saved. So I'm just going to ask you to save me, Lord. And you save me and we'll just go on. He said, the Lord said, no. He said, the Spirit of God said, no. I'm not going to let you bow with that. He said, you're going to go down there to that front. And you're going to get on your knees. And you're going to call on me, and I'm going to save you. Do you believe God talks like that? Well, absolutely. He may not talk to you just like that, but when you get saved, God talks to you. I mean, we got the person of Christ inside of us. I go to church a lot of times, and all they do is, uh, most of the time, brag on the devil. We need to be bragging on the one that's in charge. I mean, we don't, we need, we got a real devil. And I believe we ought to preach against him. And I believe we ought to know those things. So he went down and he got saved and he got up and told them. And they wanted to come back and give his testimony and he did. And a number of people came and got saved. So he called me and I said, will you come up to the church at Calvary? 
and will you tell them what's happened? He said, sure, when you want me to come. And I gave him a Sunday morning. I announced he had gotten to stay. No, I just announced Steve's got something to tell you. Steve's got something to tell you. One of the best deacons I ever had came to me and said, said uh, the Lord's called on Steve to preach, hasn't he? I said, we'll let him tell you. They filled that house that morning. And I, I thought, well, maybe he'll take five or ten minutes. You know, he talked about 20 or 25 minutes and just told him the whole story. You can be a good moral person. You can be a drunk. Be anything like that. But salvation is in the Lord. Let me finish this up and I want to tell you about another thing or two. I told the pastor, I said, I'm going to try. I believe God wants me to just show that God can send revival. God can save souls. I, I know you know that, but we need to press in, folks, to the point. That we know God has told us he's going to save people. Revival is the awakening. Revival is from God. Revival is returning to God. And in most churches, even as good as this church is, we need to return to God. This nation needs to turn to God. But now they out there are not going to do what is our responsibility to do. Revival is a time of refreshing. Revival is a time of recovery. Revival is a time to repent. Somebody said, well, I don't even believe in repentance. Or I repented back there. I did too, and I've been repenting ever since. Repent and confess our sins. Well, I try to live clean. Yes, but I'm going to tell you, if we're not praying and we're not weeping over souls and we're not trying to reach people, we really are sinning. Is it all on the altar, folks? Is it all on the altar? I know this much, that this meeting is ordered of God. And I know that God has really burdened burdened me for revival. And God has opened doors where men want something to happen. Churches want something to happen. And you get discouraged. But folks, it's not, if there's ever been a time that you need God and there's ever been a time that I need God there's ever been a time that your church needs God your preacher needs God I've really been praying for my preacher I always pray for him but I've really been praying for him and you know I can just tell a big difference in him there's another brother in our church and we've both been really just praying for our preacher he's one of the best preachers I know he's one of the most praying men I know but you know what God just helps him we need to pray one for another this it's the way all men know you might. You are my disciples when you have love one for another. Now, the Spirit of God's here. And I believe God's got the meeting, even this morning, right where he wants it to be. You know what I'm saying? In the matter that he wants us to go on, go on, and go on. I came to Old Mount Pisgah, and I know that was in the mid-70s. And I was there, and Brother Bob Dew was there, with Brother Dickerson. I went for a week, and God got in the meeting. God, I tell you, people got saved, people got right with God. It was amazing. And I would go home on the weekends and come back. You know how long we went? We went one month, and God worked. Now, I know you cannot go any farther than you are willing to go. And you don't need to go any farther than God leads you to go. 
but we need to go ever how long. And God moved so in that meeting that they didn't have, I mean, they didn't have room to put people. That's the truth. And people started giving in those days. I think they gave $48,000. Well, $48,000 would be like at least $150 million now, I guess. Uh, and then they built that, that big auditorium. I mean, it was really something for $100,000. They had the bar 46. You know, one thing I've noticed, God always, when he starts saving souls and revival comes, the devil will fight you. But God will override it all, and there will be things happen that you could never figure could happen. That's just God. Let's don't. Let's, the pastor I know is praying, his wife's praying. I know you people are praying. I know you want revival. Are we willing to die to ourselves? Preacher, do you think we ought to have an altar of prayer? You want to come and close the service? How you want to do it? Now, I know some people can't bow at an altar and maybe you choose to not come but I think it'd be good if we had the men to come over here if you're able and pray and we have the ladies to come over here if you want to move down the front and just sit close and you can't bow or you're where you want to stay that'll be good let us stand and let's just come we won't need no music uh understand and if you can come and God wants you to come you come on if you don't if you're not to where you can or don't think you should come well just don't don't do that it'll be good I know you're sincere about this matter pastor I really feel like you ought to lead the prayer God can do what no one else can do but listen to me now on this part God can do through you if you and I will believe more than you even think that you can do. So, I hope we'll press on, press in.